This is 94.9 CHRW, your cure for corporate radio. And you're listening to the Jim Chapman News Hour, your cure for corporate news. There's a story from Toronto. This was uh, James Daw, the business columnist in the Toronto Red Star. Uh, the organ of the... Uh, well, never mind. I'm not going down that road. I'm just going to get Jeff upset here. Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz are settling in here. And while they're doing that, I just want to share a little bit of the story with you. There's a story out of Toronto by James Daw, the business columnist. that says, five executives from the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan earned between the five of them, the five of them, between the five of them earned $17.2 million. $17.2 million. Now, is that good or bad? Apparently, it works out to about $120 per teacher for the year. The Ontario Teachers Pension Plan, which is uh, underfunded, whatever that means, well, we know sort of what that means, um, paid these guys all this dough. The president got $5.5 million. $5.5 million. The executive pay was up by $4 million, or 31%, over one year, and $10 million over two years. Pretty cushy job, eh? Well, let's look a little deeper. The reality is that during those uh, periods, uh, benchmarks have been set for these guys, and they exceeded the benchmarks, like increasing the value of the fund. These are money managers. That's what these guys do. It's less about administering a pension than it is generating funds through their money management. In 2005, according to the story, uh, the fund went up $3.6 billion in value beyond the benchmark, beyond where they thought, okay, this would be good if we got here. These guys generated $3.6 billion. In addition to that, for the past four years, they've exceeded their targets by $11.1 billion. Well, let's find out from the guys. Is that okay? Jeff, they're making lots of money. They're making a ton of dough, but they've also made a ton of dough for the pension fund. Is that a reasonable? Is this a reasonable recompense, or is reasonable a word that should be, you know, be used in this context? Well, that's a good question. I guess it depends on uh, on whether. First of all, one believes that the market should dictate what uh, what you're worth, and in this case, it's obviously worth it to the teachers to hire these guys to uh, to run their pensions for them. Um, on the other hand. What I, I kind of wonder about in some of these cases is to what extent the so-called benchmarks are based on um, a, a stated rise that they want to get in the value of their pension versus the economy. For instance, if you have a good year, it's not that hard to make money in the in the stock market. If you have a bad year, it's a lot harder. Um, but what, what strikes me about it is how strongly tied now executive compensation is to so-called benchmarks, and that what seems to happen is that they have these substantial increases in the good years, 50% raise in one year, not unusual at and then they don't seem to come down. They seem to ratchet up. You don't see them coming down in the bad years. And I'm struck by the um, CEO of uh, Hydro One last year who got a 50% pay raise uh, up to $1.6 million. Uh, and it was pointed out, this was announced last week, it was pointed out that the next highest paid civil servant outside of the hydro regime is a um, hospital manager in Toronto who made 500000 uh, It was also pointed out that Ontario Hydro was broken up into four or five different entities by the Harris government in preparation to privatize it, and every one of the CEOs of each of the parts now was paid over three-quarters of a million. So we're paying about $5 million a year now to run what we used to pay someone $200,000 a year to run. And the question is, are we getting value for our money at that rate? It seems like a lot of money to me. Bob, what do you think? Um doesn't bother me one way or the other. I mean, if somebody's making money and you pay them, pay them a lot, 
that's all that matters. What matters is the competitive environment in which those kinds of managers find themselves in. Can you get a manager for less than that and still get the same productivity out of them? That's the only question from an employer point of view. And if you can't, then you pay the going rate. It's the same in sports. It's the same in so many fields where we think people are making too much money because they attract a lot of capital or make investments in such a way that uh, they actually earn earn their money. Uh, to the extent that these people might be considered civil servants, then I might say, and I'm not sure about that status, uh, then I might agree more with Jeff, saying that maybe they're overpaid as a civil servant because you're supposed to be a servant, not a, you know, <laughs> not a master, right? So You're supposed to be civil, too. Right. Uh, yeah. so, so that's a whole different situation. And, and, of course, if you're working within a government monopoly and government situation, then, then you're not you know, exposed to market forces at all. So I don't know that much about the people that are actually running the plan, but just based on the fact that uh, they exceeded their comp or their their uh, targets by what did you say, eleven point one billion dollars? Yeah, four years. Yeah. Well, I think that's worth a few million. Well, it's striking, too, that uh, as you read on in these articles, I can never figure out anything in life. It turns out I, I know nothing more and more all the time. You but, too, uh, eh? Yeah, I'm, and, I'm uh, going through the same thing. I know, and it turns out that the fellow who was in charge of the compensation committee for uh, Hydro One is a fellow named Bob Ray. And uh, you know, it's like, I thought he was a socialist at one time, and here he is awarding these CEO salaries for what was, you know, at the time Hydro was broken up this way, and it was going to be privatized. And so What's anti-socialist about that? That's perfectly socialist. Well... Seems he's paying this guy well for one thing a fifty percent raise in a year when uh, he was the guy who was using their helicopters to go to his cottage for starters so he's embarrassed them they had a strike uh, you know in the strike of course they're telling all the nuclear technicians they have to take a pay cut because the times are tight and blah 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 uh, so I just wouldn't have thought Bob Ray would be the guy to say here's another fifty percent how do you like me so far especially if he's thinking about becoming the leader of the Liberal Party uh, oh but that's the liberal way well that's the way to get in. Bunch of money. how do you like me so far that's how you open the door I walked into that one. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, let's leave. Let's uh, set that aside for the time being. I guess there, uh, if you can get it, you get it in our system. If yeah. if you can convince somebody you're worth it, and they have the money to give to you, then there you are. I knew I should have got an MBA instead of a lottery. <laughs> Speaking of MBAs or a lack thereof, I want to ask you fellas what you make of the ultimate Canadian man of the people. Uh, the greatest Canadian politician at any level in history, says one of his cabinet ministers, the soon-to-be-retiring Ralph Klein, who got a very disappointing, sh- lackluster, lukewarm show of support from his uh, party last weekend, got 55% approval rating. Traditionally, party leaders are looking for at least two-thirds. Uh, some have have uh, gone to conventions because they didn't get more. Joe Clark uh, had two-thirds and wanted more, didn't get it, cost him the party. What do you make of Ralph Klein after 13 years in power? Does this does this signal? Do you think uh, a defeat of this sort of populist image, as some of the commentators are saying, that it's time for Alberta to get serious again, uh, or do you think it's possible that it was a palace coup, as some others have said, just guys who were anxious to get in there and take their shot at it, and whether he was popular with the people or not, it was time for him to go. Do you have any thoughts on that, Bob? Not specifically. I mean, anybody gets 55% of approval out of anything is doing pretty good. <laughs> I wish our politics worked well, that way. Again, we elect right? prime ministers with less with, than 40%. Right. <laughs> so 55% sounds good. But of course, within the party structure, it's a little bit different because you're playing by a slightly different rule. Um, Ralph Klein is has headed a province that apparently is the only province in the whole confederation that's not in debt. 
Um, how much of that was due to his policies or due to the fact that the province operates so much on oil revenues, uh, thereby avoiding things like sales tax and other issues, um, is hard to say just sitting here as an observer. But what's going on within the party? I think they're looking for some kind of a change. We're in a different environment fe- federally now with Harper in. So maybe they're looking for something some movement now, because Klein won't last forever, and I think some people within the party might just be looking a little forward, although I wouldn't be throwing out the baby with the bathwater until I got a replacement that I knew uh, could do the work that a, that a successful leader has done for his party and his province for quite a while. Jeff, what do you think when you look, look that far out west? Uh, well, actually, a, a couple of years ago, I remember reading the book uh, King Ralph about uh, about Ralph, and mm-hmm. uh, he's an interesting guy, and and constantly kind of defied expectations because he always seemed like kind of a goof. But uh, again, probably because of that, to a fair extent, was seen to be beloved by the people. He reminded me a lot of Mel Lastman when he was the mayor of Toronto, and the people's mayor. Yeah, and I always thought that 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 people liked him because he was so darn entertaining. You know, you just never knew when you opened the the um, uh, paper what he was gonna what's 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 he done now what's he said now and i remember was it uh, who's the guy um from st thomas who was the uh premier back in the 30s mitch hepburn mitch i Hepper, think mitch hepburn, yeah. sort of the similar kind of deal where he was just so colorful i remember he, he had an auction at uh, varsity stadium sold all the government cars apparently at mm-hmm. auction one day uh, just did all these funny weird things and i guess it's a question of whether every so often you need to break from that and to get back to the boring politicians who are gray but steady and stable um you know ralph certainly did what I would have thought would be sort of political gaffes from time to time, but it never seemed to stick to him uh, going back to uh, don't send your Ontario bums out to us uh, when he was the mayor of Calgary. Um, but but it's uh, it's also quite a cautionary tale when you think of somebody who really has done an awful lot for the province and whether, you know, sure he had a huge boost from the oil revenue, but I guess they were in deficit when he took office. Mm-hmm. And not only did he get rid of the deficit, he got rid of their entire debt uh, without sales tax. Uh, well, and it kept them happy. I think that's the other thing about Ralph was he kept them happy while he was doing it. In those tough days back in the 90s, he kept uh, reportedly kept Albertan smiling even even while he was tightening the screws to, uh, on the economy. Yeah, but he was the first uh, politician in Canadian history to cut welfare rates, for example, and uh, and did a lot of really unpopular cuts, at least with my constituency. But obviously, uh, the mainstream person was content with it. Um, and and again, to go from ninety percent in the last uh, uh, leadership uh, thing to fifty five now is it's got to be a real owie. You've just reminded me of something, Jeff. Um, is Ralph Klein not also the fellow that was wanted to sort of buck the health care system? Oh, oh, yeah. Really. Big oh time. yeah, and his that may have way. a lot to do with his decreased popularity with a, a party that might want to work more with the federal government. But there's um, been the, some speculation that this is a heaven-sent opportunity for Stephen Harper, that it removes him from what was shaping up to be an unpleasant ballot, a battle. But I'm not sure I agree with that. I think that Ralph was doing Stephen. I think he was doing Steve a favor during the election. I think it was great because it allowed yes. Harper to come out in favor of uh, national health care. Yeah. Well, I, I think as, as, as long as Ralph continued to do that, Harper, who I believe in his heart of hearts, th- believes we do have to reform the health care system. Um, he had the opportunity to let someone else run point on that, True. and and make them. If there were mistakes to be made, make the mistakes. And I can sit here in Ottawa and be the prime minister and sort of poo-poo it, I'll but, be not, the, but I'll not be too the loudly. guy in the middle. Yeah, not right. too loudly. I don't have to poo-poo it too loudly. I can sort of quietly and moderately defend the Canada Health Act as Ralph takes it apart, and we'll see, can he, can he build a new one that's even better? Well, that opportunity may be lost with Ralph's going, and maybe not. We don't know that the Conservative government in Alberta won't continue along that policy. No, uh, but it, he certainly, whoever does pr- follow up will be, I suspect, a lot less colorful, and for better or worse, it may just may see, serve Stephen Harper's purposes just as well to have somebody who's uh, who's not quite so visible, who who won't sort of 
command whatever stage he happens to be on. Um, but but I agree that it, I think that uh, Ralph's um, posturing of the third way, a third rail uh, approach uh, during the election. Don't touch the third rail. Out well yeah. <laughs> for, yeah. for Stephen. But now Stephen's in, so he may not need that so much anymore. Who plays got, him in the movie? Tony Clement to fix everything. Who plays him in the movie? Who plays who? Well, I'd say John Goodman oh, would be yeah, a good one. Yeah, that's my pick. Yeah, yeah. Good old boy. Yeah. Yep. Kind of a, yeah. in the Huey Long style of politics, yeah. you know. Kind yeah. of. The, I the, saw actually I saw a movie uh, with John Goodman as Huey Long oh. the other night. Yeah. <laughs> that's very interesting because John Goodman's a very uh, likable character almost in anything you yeah. see him in. You know. Yeah, but he has there's a uh, there there's a real talent there too. I mean, oh, there's yeah, real absolutely. serious talent there. I saw him in these populist movies, premiers. and he just brought those movies up. You yeah. know, like. Yeah. Uh, but these populist premiers, there's something about them. There's a certain charisma. You know, they seem to be kind of goofs. They're all kind of overweight and kind of just. Uh, you think they'd be kind of the goof of the class, and yet people love them. Uh, and That's largely a media image, though. Too, I think when they're right down in the street with the people, they're they they really relate to people. Well, that was yes. well, but that was Ralph's thing too. I remember sure. reading a story about him years ago. Um, hanging out in the bars too. Well, exactly, yeah. and they, they had a story about he was with with a reporter. And he dropped into some uh, into some beer parlor to talk to the guys, and that's what he was doing. He was getting the taking the. He had no money. He had to bum the money to buy a draft from one of these guys in the crowd. That's pretty endearing. He was the mayor of, of Calgary at that point. That's pretty endearing. Really. <laughs> well, no kidding. You know, well, it is going to go like home. Hey, guess what? Guess who borrowed money off me? Today? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like George Bush's syntax. You know, things that conventional wisdom would hold would 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 uh, be a liability in politics, but end up, I think, endearing you because they do make you of the people yeah. or seem that way at least. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see if press. Ernest Manning uh, were to get back about his dad was the premier forever, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Ernest Manning was uh, well, really one of the giants of Canadian politics, historically speaking. And Preston, I think, might be a very interesting choice. I kind of miss Preston. That party. Actually, so yeah. do I. I think Preston. I said, I said this before. I think he was one of the one of the grossly underutilized political talents on the Canadian national sk- stage ever. I think this was yeah, a, this guy who was brilliant in many ways, and and I think really had something positive to add. But his message got. Overwhelmed, diluted. We'll take your pick. It just it, it didn't click. He didn't click. Well, I recall I think it's a having shame. been. I was at the Mike Bullard show for a live taping one night, and Preston was the guest. And it was back in the time when the uh, the Young Turks were trying to remake him, and he had had his laser surgery in his eyes, and he had his hair dyed, and he had the mock neck shirt on, and everything else. He looked so uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> He's a guy who should have played the game as it was dealt, or played the hand that was dealt to him, like Ralph did. The man I, of the people. I never saw anybody just control a crowd as well as Preston Manning could. Yeah. Uh, I went to a number of uh, local-ish things here in town, both, uh, you know, downtown at the convention center when they had their uh, big convention announcing the Canadian Alliance. And uh, the guy was just completely... Just control that crowd. Yeah. I mean, everything. And he, was, he was funny. People would not think he would be able to crack yeah. jokes that yeah. well, you know. Timing was excellent. I'm just thinking this guy is a just, quote, a natural-born leader, no such thing, but yeah. you know what I mean. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although it is also uh, occurring to me that there seems to be a changing of the guard going on now with uh, with a prime minister who's younger than me. I'm so depressed about that. <laughs> and uh, you know that they're Getting talking, to that age, talking about the liberals <laughs> and whether they uh, should be looking to a new generation or whether the Bob Rays are like yesterday's news, you know, and... Yeah. Uh, there's something to be said for that. Maybe there'll be some new leader come on, out of Alberta. Well, that, you know, uh, people are always interesting, but as the years go by, policies aren't changing that much. And, no, and that's, and that's, the that's problem. maybe more to the point. We're going to pause for a second, though. We'll come back. Our policy is to continue giving you things to think about. Stay with us. We'll continue to do exactly that. We're back with the uh, Jeff Slummer, Bob Metz, talking about uh, things in the news. We were just talking about uh, King Ralph. I'm going to talk a little bit about Gerard Kennedy. Gerard Kennedy has announced he's stepping down from a 
uh, education minister's post here in Ontario. He's going to run for the federal liberals. And Jeff, I, I, I want to—I wasn't going to mention him, but since you talked about perhaps new new generation of leaders and so on, that uh, he would seem to me to be kind of would fit that mold. Yes, he's uh, a generation or a half a generation younger than most of the other sort of uh, potential leaders. What, what, do, what do you think of? Well, what do you think of Gerard Kennedy? That's going to be a guy like Gerard. What do you think of Gerard? Do you think he's got a chance at this? Uh, yes, I do. Although I think that he probably doesn't have the national uh, exposure yet that uh, that he really would need to win an election. But uh, he's certainly an impressive guy. And uh, since he sort of came to my kind of attention, I guess um, running the food bank in Toronto back in the early nineties, uh, he seemed like an impressive fellow. Partly because he's uh, obviously. Uh, would be considered progressive within the Liberal Party, running a food bank for all those. In fact, you think he founded the Daily Bread Food mm-hmm. Bank in Toronto, but he also is very comfortable in uh, in the uh, uh, kind of corporate traditional settings. His dad was a member of Parliament uh, from Manitoba, I believe, and I recall that during the leadership convention in uh, whenever that was ninety four ninety five um, against Dalton McGuinty, that he had had the support of all of the old Liberal Guard, the Senator Keith Davies, the Toronto Star endorsed him. Uh, he's uh, he's a uh, again a Street player. The other thing is that in his charitable work, uh, setting up and running the food bank, he's never taken a doll- dollar of government money. Uh, so I think that he's got credibility as a business person. Uh, he, uh, in, in the case of the food bank, he persuaded Galen Weston uh, of Loblaws to donate the building and so on. So he's he's built a private charity, if you like, uh, without sort of again being able to be accused of uh, you know being the, the typical guy who goes to government for everything. What's he doing in the Liberal Party then? <laughs> It's a big tent, tell you. Bob, I know you're not as plugged into the uh, liberal politics as Jeff is. I wouldn't is. know Jared Kennedy if he sat here in this room. <laughs> I wouldn't know who he was, what he did. But I could say that about uh, David Peterson before he became premier of the province, yeah. too. And his and his election office was right next door to mine downtown. <laughs> so that tells you a but, lot. But I'll tell you, so, as an example, though, I would say that between him and Bob Ray, I would say that he's far more electable and, and somebody to invest the time and money in as a potential leader rather than Bob, who's been there, done that. Uh, I have a lot of trouble, not as a liberal voter or, or party member, but I have a lot of trouble with Bob Ray as the leader of the Liberals. I think there's a lot of baggage there. The you know the economic disaster in Ontario, the fact that he was an NDP premier. Well, and there's, they're all socialists. Anything oh, they yeah, do absolutely. is going to be a disaster, okay? Yeah, because okay. they don't operate on reality, okay? They, ha- they operate on a fantasy. And I don't know what this guy's ever done for education in this province, but education is a black hole sinkhole. Mm. And not too much education is getting done. Hey, well, but, there's nobody who's defined this pr- this country more than the Liberal Party since it was founded. But uh, I wouldn't be uh, bragging about that, that if I was a Liberal. <laughs> I think Canada's a great place. I love the place. I, no Canada place was a great place before the Liberals messed well, it that up. Would be yeah, we got a place where you, you I don't can't know, pay for your own doctor. You're, you're on a six-month waiting list for cancer treatment. Yeah, issues on, in that's days. a great country. I love it. Canada's, yeah. Canada's an awesome place. But uh, again, I think that Kennedy is the kind of guy who may represent a new generation. Although in some respects, he's 45. He's almost getting up there too. Yes. The, the bar for what's considered to be middle now is just keeps going higher and higher as my age. Well, does. I figure I'm I'm, sa- I'm safe I'm safe from this whole age thing as long as my doctor's older than I am and, and he's he's two years older than me. But if he ever retires, I'm done because the cops are younger, the lawyers are younger, the judges, everybody's younger now. This one holdout is the doctor. And you get these Tommy Douglas pe- people who are elected in their uh, early mid twenties, you know, and yeah. maybe that's where they should be looking to find somebody who's thirty. Maybe that's what they should be looking for to renew the Liberal Party. I don't know. Gerard again is uh, is he hasn't had his turn yet, but again he's uh, forty five. He's 
past uh, what's the middle he accomplished of his life, probably. Politically, like I mean, what has he actually done that's good for the province or for you know politically an improvement? I haven't heard of one. Well, uh, well I guess uh, I uh, you can go to the Ontario government. They have a lovely website which I visited yesterday with their report, their 2005 oh, report yeah. on progress report. Mm-hmm. It's very impressive. I think yes. part of I, I, not not really following education as being my main interest, but I would say that among other things, they they have I think normalized relations within the with the boards of education and the and the teachers from where they were. There was a lot of kind of uh, tension, trauma, blah 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 blah, and they've been able to get settlements. So they've just kind of toned things down a bit. Well, that's a labor issue, not an education issue. But that's most of what they do in education, right? So teachers. it's not about education. That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> it um, never was. I would be we didn't rem- have those things. I would be remiss. Uh, education. I would be remiss uh, having our guests here today if we didn't talk a little bit just to get a general impression of the throne speech um, my general impression is it's another throne speech thanks for coming out although it's a little different i think than what we've seen the last few years uh, i thought it was a little more focused i thought that some of the things that they're saying they're going to do they the government has already indicated a very strong commitment to doing them defense and so on uh, last couple of liberal throne speeches they talked about defense but they didn't do anything um, but it just seemed to me it's a little more hard hitting a little more narrow focus focus which maybe you need from a, a new minority government uh, what did you guys make of it Jeff, what did you anything there that caught your eye or seemed any out of, out of the ordinary at all beyond the usual platitudes? Uh, and may I say, the Governor General looks stunning delivering these platitudes in her lovely dress yesterday. Yes, I, uh, I, I mentioned this with some hesitation, but I recall uh, reading a comment by a right-wing guy who, when she was appointed, said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not very happy that the Liberals have appointed this journalist, even if she does look like Haley Berry. <laughs> but uh, anyway, no, this throne speech is about what you would expect. I almost wonder, though, when you, if you're appointed by the Liberals and you have to read a conservative throne speech, does it, does it ever sort of stick in your throat a little bit? But you're so, supposed to be nonpartisan. That's true. Who appoints I you, aren't you? Hillary Weston, too, when she was, uh, when she was yeah. the governor, le- lieutenant governor. But no, generally, I think that Stephen Harper is, is doing what he said he's going to do, broadly speaking, uh, as, as is to be expected. In, to the extent that I'm involved in federal uh, government, uh, we're all kind of traumatized, of course, because we expect, okay, all the social housing will be canceled, you know, the daycare thing is not going to do any good, uh, uh, federal transfers to social programs, forget it. Like, that's the, the longer term, and, and right now, the federal bureaucrats are all just frozen. They don't know where things are going, although they expect that they know. Um, but but no, Stephen Harper's gotten a mandate, clearly. Uh, he's just gotten more and more popular since he was elected. Uh, I think it was the last uh, week, he's up to 39% compared to 27 for the Liberals. So he's uh, he's doing fine. He's getting the tough battles out of the way, like taking on the media early on, which is probably a smart thing to do. So I, I think that, although I disagree with the guy's policies, he's doing uh, a good job doing what he said he would do. Bob? I agree with that concluding statement. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, having said that, though, I... This is not that conservative a government. If they were more conservative, they would be getting doing what the liberals were doing, get lowering the income tax and leaving the sales tax alone, because mm-hmm. economically that is the better thing for the country. Um, I'm concerned that uh, Layton and Harper seem to be getting along so well, because I don't know what kind of deals Harper's making with him. On the, you can bet that Layton's not going to be too happy with right-wing policies. He's only going to be happy with left-wing policies, and to the extent that Harper goes along with that understandable in a minority government to some degree. Uh, That's something I wouldn't like to see either. I certainly uh, don't agree with either party, liberal or conservative, stand on the whole daycare issue. I don't think we need government-run daycare in one way, shape, or form or another, and you don't need to be given the money of some people to other people with kids just because they had kids. I mean, that's outrageous. So uh, a pox on all their houses (laughs) as far as policy goes. But given his pox, uh, Harper's doing a great job with it. (laughs) Well, uh, defense, and we've only got a minute or so left. I want to come back to defense again. He's obviously, uh, he's taking some steps. Oh, there he's doing a much better job. He's taking 
some steps that tradi- you know almost you could almost say have become non-traditional. This sort of taking a very strong pro-military, going to visit the troops in the field, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Does, does that? It, it, I think it, that I was think the classiest thing I've seen a prime minister do. Do you think I that think resonated I across think it's the country? And oh, it's nothing at all, and, it, and it, it just offends me as much as when George Bush showed up in the flight suit on the aircraft carrier. But he wasn't really? wearing a flight suit. You were offended he by was that. He was wearing a flight suit because he landed, and he was the first president. No, not George. Landed. No, uh, Stephen wasn't. He didn't. He oh, didn't. He was and I made that the point. Airplane, it, he's flying the Hercules. It's like, oh, good, good on you, Stephen. And I understand it plays well to the to looking young. Listen, and if you're if you're on a military transport plane and they said, hey, would you like to come up and sit at the controls for a minute? You'd do it too. Come on. I'd say, eh, hold the cameras, guys. This isn't for the, you know, this isn't fluff. This is because I really do support you. Having said that, I haven't seen that his policy with respect to Afghanistan, for instance, is at all different from the liberals. No, it's uh, the same. They don't really, there's not so, really much control from the yeah, government. He says he's going to spend more money on some, some uh, ice uh, breakers, but that's about it. Okay, guys, thank you so much. We're out of time. The music is playing in the background. The band is tuning up in the next room. Thank you for being part of the program today. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. If you've got comments of what, what you've heard today, please feel free to send them to Jeff Schlemmer, care of. The Liberal Party of Canal. <laughs> Jim Chapman at Rogers.com is our email address. Always happy to hear from you. I'll talk to you later. Thinking maybe tomorrow at 11. Would that work for you? I'll talk to you later. Well, I'll be here anyway, so you come on and join us for the next edition of the News Hour. I'll talk to you later. Time for Bob and Jeff. Jim saying take care of each other. Mind how you go. God bless. I'll Bye-bye. Just-